the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Hello, welcome in to the Worldview Media Podcast. My name is Gordon Runyon, I'm one of your co-hosts here. With me in studio too. Who am I? Is the best darn gal in the verse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My wife Joyce. How long you been hooked up with me, Joyce? Ooh, too many years to be accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh thirty thirty. Thirty thirty. Thirty. <laughs> We go in thirds. Thirty good. Thirty thirty. <laughs> Thirty-two. It'll be in May. I'm afraid so. All right. So we are here to. Of course, only one of us really looks that old. Yeah, you. Are. <laughs> oh no! I take that back because you've kind of you've kind of cleaned up your act a little bit here lately. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> So, here we are in uh, Studio 2 with a cat knocking at the door, and I will let her out. We can get started. We're here talking about the short-lived science fiction series. from much-beloved. Yeah, much-beloved science fiction series from Joss Whedon called Firefly. This is a pretty interesting show, and it uh, one of the strange things that it does, or one of the unique things it tries to do, is kind of mash up things mm-hmm. that aren't normally put together. And That's so, correct. in one scene, you can have a guy riding on a hovercraft, and his friends are riding behind him on horses, mm-hmm. and... They don't really have laser guns that they're shooting very much. They're just shooting kind of high-tech, futuristic Sometimes. guns like we have. There's a couple yeah. of those. but And the main character is a man named Malcolm Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And I think what they did with him is he's kind of an outlaw Josie Wales sort of character. And like we talked a few weeks ago about Hell on Wheels where the uh, Cullen Bohannon is a was a former soldier with the Confederate Army, mm-hmm. and so he <laughs> he was on the losing side. And find the same kind of situation. Yeah, you really do because Malcolm Reynolds was part of a resistance army. Is that what they called the it? Alliance, yeah. And the big bad guys are the Alliance, uh, a large government agency, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, I'm sure this was going to be fleshed out if the series survived more than a season, but it didn't. So a lot of the information that we have is either speculative or you get it from like the additional features section of a DVD or something like that. But one of the interesting things then is that it's this mashup between... Star Wars sort of thing with cowboys 
on the one side. But then it, it also seems like the only, the only American or the only Earth nations that really survived into the future, into this space era, are, were the United States and China. And it seems like it was those two superpowers that formed what is now called the Alliance. And they're in charge of a whole bunch of planets, mm-hmm. and they have they rule with an iron fist. And so Malcolm Reynolds, after fighting in the unsuccessful resistance movement, he buys his own spaceship and becomes a smuggler on kind of the outer reaches, Edges, yeah. trying to stay just a step ahead of the long arm of the Alliance. And mm-hmm. So he's got a little bit of Han Solo to him as well. Yeah. And so he's got a frankly on board his ship which is called Serenity. Mm-hmm. His ship it almost functions like the saloon in Gunsmoke <laughs> because it it really does house a lot of what Different you would think of, of as kind of well they're almost tropes from classic westerns. You've got the Hooker with a heart of gold, and you've got the uh, the preacher man with the mysterious past. You, s- yeah. you sense he's maybe not as pure as the driven snow, and yeah. and uh, mm. and you've got the the helpful doc, mm-hmm. and you just have those sorts of uh, characters that kind of seem pretty familiar. Yeah. And anyway, it's a fun show because of that. It's got a little bit of a comedy. It's not a comedy, no. but there are a lot of instances of kind of comic relief with the main character. Nathan Fillion plays Malcolm Reynolds, and and he has a way of, you know, making snide remarks and stuff that are fairly yeah funny. And, and at least one of the other mm. characters, uh, Wash, the pilot, he's his sole purpose is really comic relief <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. So... They do have an interesting universe that they're flying around in, and it's a little bit of a shame that they weren't allowed to do a little bit more, flesh it out. So. Yeah, but I think it's fun. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot, like I say, combining almost a Star Wars feel with gun smoke. Yeah, uh, it's a space western. <laughs> it really is. It really is, and. I I think it was pretty successful, and you find almost a cult following now mm-hmm. among, I guess, I don't know, but I guess at Comic-Cons and stuff, you'll have people dressed up like Malcolm Reynolds, and Firefly mm-hmm. is still a big deal at some of these... Yeah, die-hard fans, they're out there. Nerd conventions, <laughs> <laughs> or what oh. Joyce would think of as oh. heaven on earth. <laughs> Home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, uh, so tell me, give me some overall impressions. Why should people give it a shot or not watch it or what? Well, you know, I'm not really uh, a fan of westerns. Right. And so, but I really like this show. It's not just, it's not a traditional western, but it has enough of that in there that you can still, you feel that that's really the vibe that they're going for. Um, I like it because they're um, they're kind of trying to stay out from under somebody's thumb. You know, they know they lost the war, but I still think they think they were right in what they were doing. 
and so they're they're still trying to to do what they can to support <laughs> anything against the alliance and um the characters are really funny they've got uh the the engineers this silly young girl that you know yeah. you wouldn't think her to be an engineer at all but she can fix anything and keeps yeah. it running and it's just um and then Jane, the the crazy gun guy on there, and yeah, um, he's just he's pretty silly. And how they all just kind of get together and and are on this this journey together when they're really so very different, all of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. I think it's pretty fun, and I like the fact that that uh, you don't get a lot of like laser fire in space and stuff like that and, mm -hmm. and and a lot of the stories are more character driven than than special effects driven yeah one thing that they did do that i think is kind of unusual is i guess they from what i was watching the special <clears throat> features i guess they built like the whole inside of the of their ship mm. serenity mm -hmm. It's so it's one continuous set. So when they show an interior of the ship, that's real. You can really go through <laughs> the whole ship. It's all built in all the right proportions and stuff wow. like that. And, well, I didn't see that part of it, so that's yeah. really pretty neat. I wondered because you see on some of the shots that they're doing the perspective where you really are seeing through the the whole length of it in some <laughs> right. of those shots. You can be in one room and the shot goes down the hallway and you see characters in another room and see them talking and mm -hmm. stuff. And yeah. So they built the entire, the entire ship as a set. Well, and then you have the, the doctor's sister. Yeah. Who's a little bit different. Right. And you know, there's the whole mystery about her and how does she fit in? And, the and does she fit her. in? And what has yeah. been done to her? And yeah. And so there's there's some intrigue there as well. Yeah, and I feel like had it been able to continue, that would have been one of the continuing plots as we learn a little bit more about this girl, River, and and what's her deal. And, mm -hmm. and so what they then did after they unexpectedly kind of got canceled and they didn't the network didn't order a second season, they did allow them to do... A like, like a, a movie, a feature length yeah. episode, which is called uh, Serenity, mm -hmm. and so that's like a movie, and <laughs> the it's like a movie, <laughs> it's like a movie. <laughs> and the storytelling obviously suffers, I think, because well, they're just trying to wrap up right. so many things. In season one, you can see them; they're just putting things in motion. They're just getting story so, arcs yeah. started and explaining characters and and now here comes this movie where oh all that stuff we have to wrap it up real fast yeah. and it makes for i mean it's nice to have that movie to kind of pull things together and, and come to an end but it's yeah. obviously very rushed and and truncates <laughs> a lot of the story that would have been there so a lot of that's uh well that's not fun yeah, and really there are only the two characters that have a real history, and that's uh, the captain and his first mate. Right. And they're, Zoe. They're both veterans of the yeah. war. Yeah, 
Okay, so your overall thing, you like it pretty well. It would be one of your favorite series if it was still going, you think? Yeah, uh, you know, I think with most series you get to the point where they do something really stupid. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, didn't have the chance to jump the shark. You know, they didn't have yeah. that chance to get stupid and kind right. of lose their audience. But I think, you know, that's the hazard with series that are that have some longevity to them is that suddenly the writers are like, hey, yeah. let's try this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Let's go a little crazy just to mix it up. But the, yeah. the characters are good. Uh, the stories the stories tend to have a little bit more meaning to them, I think, than just, you know, your typical comedy type oh, yeah. of stuff. And yeah. so I think I appreciated that as well, that there were some things that kind of made you think maybe a little bit, yeah. Or it was there. I don't know if most people would think. <laughs> but <laughs> right. there was some stuff that was like, hmm, that's interesting. Sure. Yeah. All right. You have anything else to say in the overall sense? Well, I did like it. Uh-huh. I thought it was quality. Uh, I guess a spaceship is supposed to look like a horse. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> did you ever, I mean, do you see that? Yeah, I do think the front of the spaceship definitely looks like a horse head. Okay. Well, maybe just the front. Yeah. And then I almost feel like it's a combination. On the front, it's supposed to look like a horse because it's a Western. Mm -hmm. And then on the back, it looks like a firefly. Um, Oh, you're just now getting that? The back part. I was just like, (laughs) uh, maybe so. Maybe I can see it all together now. But all it's right. a it's a different sort of look. Dropping ship. some knowledge on you. <laughs> oh, the weight of it. I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, I never do that. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't have much to say. I, there was enough there in that first season that mm-hmm. I could see where some of the stories were heading. Mm-hmm. And they had antagonists set up, really bad guys. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and you knew they were going to be nasty, and you knew they were going to have to confront them at some point. And between the alliance and some of these underground smugglers oh, and, and the, the reavers, the, yeah, those yeah. people. Yeah, and you just knew, oh boy, this is going to be nasty when we're going to. And and plus the thing about it is that the ship that they're on is not like the Starship Enterprise no. that. Is basically a floating this is kind nation of a, with a all of its reclaimed ship that's been refurbished. Yeah, it's and, more like yeah. it's more like the Millennium Falcon than, yeah. than it is the Enterprise. Where the Enterprise, if it needs something, it can make it, and it can you know press a button and create food, and mm-hmm. and you know. Well, I think it's kind of funny that the name is Serenity and all the trouble that they get into everywhere they <laughs> the go. The name of the ship is Serenity. Yeah. yeah, and pretty much everywhere they go, it's like. Some commotion happens. Yeah. Well, again, and then in Joss Whedon's mm. comments on the DVD, I think he gave a clue to that. His What he said about Malcolm Reynolds, the head guy, mm. is that because of the war, he's come through it having lost everything, including yeah. any kind of real hope for the future. So he's a hopeless guy. He doesn't really believe anything. Uh He's lost every reason to live, and yet, for some reason, he still plods forward and and keeps going. And and he pointed to the opening song, and and the lyrics to the song are meant to be about Malcolm Reynolds. 
you know, you took everything from me, but you can't take the sky from me. Mm -hmm. And so as long as Malcolm has a ship that he can fly just a little bit outside the reach of the Alliance, then he feels like he's got what he needs. And, and so maybe that's somewhat where the, where the name comes from. The ship is called Serenity because when he's flying and when everything's working right and, and all <laughs> but that. those times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's... Maybe brief. <laughs> <laughs> that's the closest he gets mm. to Serenity, though. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, well, it's kind of sad, though. Well, it is. I think it's meant to be that way. So, But obviously, I think it's obvious that that was another story arc. Yeah. Because I don't see through the course of the series that they were going to let him stay that way. He was going to have to come back and, and be better and learn to care and trust. But I think and, he does care. He does care. Yeah, yeah. He's not as cold as he would like to put put forth or, or show. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I think he really, he values his crew. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think we'll talk about that later. So. You have anything else before we take our break? No. All right. <laughs> well, here's our break then. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. We're back, Worldview Media Podcast, discussing the short-lived sci-fi series uh, Firefly from Joss Whedon, and we're about to apply the the points of the five-point covenant structure to it to discern what kind of worldview is being preached. Before we do, I just want to remind you to... Uh, go ahead and make contact with us through Facebook. You can find us on the Worldview Media Podcast page. You can also find uh, contact at the ReconstructionistRadio.com page. And mm-hmm. and I don't even mind if you find me personally, Gordon Runyon on Facebook. And uh, we enjoy getting feedback from you. And that's all good. So hit us up. Because this really is a a listener request that we're doing. Yeah, Firefly is a listener request. Several of what we have done have been. Well, what do you know? You don't even tell me. (laughs) Hamilton. Hamilton was a request. And what else? That crazy one. There will be. Oh, there will be blood. Yeah. Is that what it was? Wasn't that one? Yeah. (laughs) Tell me that was one. (laughs) X-Men Apocalypse was a request. Uh -uh. Uh So we've done a lot of requests. Some of them we actually liked. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we did like Firefly, though. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun little show. Okay, so in terms of worldview, we get to the first point, first point of the biblical covenant, which is transcendence. And we like to ask questions to try to get at the heart of what is the message that's being preached. Is there a discernible ultimate lawgiver? Uh, is there any sense of who is really sovereign over what's going on? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's really trying to say that Malcolm sees himself in that position. He's well, certainly he's the only one calling the shots for him. Mm. Yeah. Well, not for him, for his crew. I mean, he's the one that says this is what we're going to do, and right. he doesn't have to explain why. He doesn't have to take a vote. Right. He's just, you know, he's yeah. in control and he's in charge. Right, and and that's obviously not a biblical way to think, but there is a there's another portion of it as well. And one of the things that I like is that, like Han Solo, and like some of the things we've looked at recently, like Captain America: Civil War, mm-hmm. it uh, it does kind of make the point that when when government becomes tyrannical and outlaw, then it's your responsibility is to become an outlaw and to act in a manner that that government doesn't want, especially if, and I'm not saying you do that for your own gain, for your own gain, <laughs> for the fulfillment of your own lusts. But when the government outlaws righteousness, then you have to become an outlaw. And yeah. and when the government says these things are bad, when they're really good, you have to do those bad things. And and that's just the way it goes. And and that demands the thought that however big the government is, even a government that controls the whole galaxy or whatever, <laughs> it doesn't it whole doesn't verse. have the same right. It doesn't have the right to make final law that that right and wrong represents a law that's higher than the government, no matter how big that government is. And yeah. I'm all for preaching that through whatever means <laughs> that we can. Well, yeah, but he's... He is a law unto himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, that's kind of why he's there, but... Yeah. It, yeah, he's, he's about himself. But that's modified by the fact that he does, even in these things, although they're looking to make money and take jobs that will keep them afloat, so mm-hmm. to speak... There are times he does things for free just because it's the right thing yeah. to do. There is the moral yeah. and ethical side right. of him. Now, what's that is based on? <laughs> His Other own than sense his opinion, of right and wrong. Yeah, then, yeah. you know, or feeling beholden to somebody else, right. you know. Um, yeah, right. And he's still, he's still the ultimate authority. Yeah, it does... The series <laughs> does make some interesting references to God, though. Yeah. In... In the fact that they have this shepherd, yeah, a shepherd on board who they call the preacher man. His name is Book, with reference to the Bible that he's carrying around. Mm. And there's also some reason to believe that the theory is that by this time in the future, the Bible has been heavily edited, <laughs> and uh, you know, people are quoting from this Bible, and it's not actually Bible verses, you know, and yeah. and. Uh, so it's obvious that in this version of things, the Bible has been just kind of changed quite a bit. But still there's this idea that that the preacher is there to preach God and righteousness. Mm-hmm. And 
there's one point I'm thinking about where where Book is kind of maybe talking about the fact that people don't like him or something like that, and they're uncomfortable around him. And Malcolm Reynolds says it's because when a man of God is there, people feel uh, condemned and judged, and that's why they don't like him. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing. It just there's a slipping in of, I think it's probably the writer's worldview mm-hmm. there, but I kind of like the fact that unlike a lot of science fiction like Star Trek or something like that, that there is the idea that although just a few things from Earth have really persevered, well, here Christianity is one of those things. Yeah. Now, it may be a, well, here it is a perverse version of it, but you know, that's what it is right now in America is a perverse version of what it ought to be most of the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to see in this universe that Christianity has survived and still has some amount of influence and even respect. What do you think? Uh, the shepherd's a, an interesting character. He, you can tell that there's more to him than, than just he had a bad this old guy. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's got connections with the alliance somehow too. And you know, yeah. of course, we don't know what any of that really means. Right, but um. God is still here in this uh, this little Western, space Western. <laughs> right. And that uh, there's still the influence of, of real morality and real ethics. Yeah. And what makes something okay and what makes something not okay. And, and you see all of the uh, characters kind of having to grapple with that at some point. Yeah. In the stories for different reasons. And... Um, Another interesting character is uh, the companion on board. Right. And, you know, so Inara and... is a professional prostitute, but of a very high class mm-hmm. sort. And uh, she gets offended if you call her a whore or something like that. Yeah. That's what she is. But yeah. uh, she wants to think of herself as somewhat above that. And, but there's a sense almost in which she, there are times when she functions as the conscience of the show, mm-hmm. which is a interesting, strange dynamic. <laughs> but you know, there's Malcolm Reynolds wanting to act on what's right and stuff, but, and him complaining about men of God being judgy and, and condemning, but he treats her pretty bad sometimes for that. Well, but he treats her bad because he likes her and doesn't <laughs> right. like what she's doing. But he's condemning and judgy with regard to her on several occasions. Yeah, but it's about her job. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. So. Okay. So, for me, that's kind of transcendence. Malcolm Reynolds is a law unto himself. Kind of the implication is that everybody is. Mm-hmm. But there is this definite idea that the alliance is bad, and so even though they're in charge, that doesn't mean you do everything they say. Yeah. Well, on, in defense of the alliance, we really don't know what the conflict was about, and we really don't know uh, how things were resolved, except that the alliance is in power. Oh, they're and, bad. They're and, bad. Well, I mean, yeah, it kind of <laughs> looks like they do some questionable things like most governments do, but, you know, there's a lot of backstory there that we just don't, 
Right. We we're, don't have access to We're operating to. on very little. And whenever you're on the losing side, you kind of get a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, history yeah. favors those who win. Yeah, that's probably, there's some truth to that. But they are really bad. The alliance is horrible. <laughs> they deserve whatever's coming to them. Well, you can see that with the girl. Yeah. With River. Okay, so then I think that leads us to point two of the covenant, which is representation. This this thematic sense of who's in charge and how do things really work and who really calls the shots in this universe. Uh, who represents that idea the most? And I think we've already mentioned that <clears throat> Malcolm Reynolds is is that guy. Yeah. Okay, and so point three of the covenant is ethics. And what we like to do with fiction is focus on major ethical dilemmas and talk about how those are handled by our characters and, and what they do. We feel like that kind of points in a worldview direction as well. And so, uh, do you have anything on the top of your head on ethics? Well, I think each episode kind of has its own ethical problems you know with a train robbery they were going in and getting stuff not knowing what it was yeah. and he said i don't want to know what it is yeah. because then maybe that'll put me in a in a bad place to know right. and then he finds out oh this is medicine that these people need yeah and uh so now he's in a sticky place what do i do because if i don't deliver this and do what i'm supposed to do this guy's going to hunt me down yeah if i take this then these people are going to remain sick <laughs> yeah you know what am I doing here? And he resolves that by eating the loss himself, mm -hmm. returning the medicine that they stole to the sick people who needed it, and thereby putting him and his whole crew in some real danger with regard to the, the gangster that, that hired him to do the job. Because the gangster doesn't want the money back. Right. And that was part of the warning when he took the job. <laughs> exactly. No, this guy's a nasty figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, and so, yeah, I think that obviously shows there's uh, some worldview being preached there. It's better for you to take the loss than to yeah. impose it on someone else. <clears throat> the The ethical issue that I found interesting and consistent throughout the whole thing, and it made me like Malcolm Reynolds, was in spite of his kind of hard and cold exterior and even a threatening exterior at times, once you're on his ship and he gets some kind of clue that that you want to be there and you have things to offer and contribute, and even if you don't sometimes, sometimes if you just need help and he recognizes that, mm -hmm. then he kind of considers you part of his crew and he'll... Swim can. through rivers of lava to do whatever he needs to do to protect you and save you. And mm -hmm. so he's very heroic in that sense. And so there's almost an issue of family there. You know, he doesn't have a biological family, but once you become a member of his crew, then you are. And for him, loyalty is maybe one of the primary virtues that you can show. Yeah, But, you know, <clears throat> apart from a biblical worldview and a biblical sense of things, loyalty can be admirable, but loyalty to the wrong thing is yeah. just sin. Yeah. And, and so even something as good as loyalty needs to have... A foundation. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. 
a worldview grounded in Christian revelation will tell you, loyalty, yes, that's a virtue. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, not if you're loyal to the wrong thing. Yeah. And, well, I just think yeah. of, you know, a lot of the gangs in inner city. Yeah. You know, they're loyal. Right. But it's not It's not about the right stuff. And they treat each other like family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're doing right. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, any other ethical things get you? I think with uh, the doctor and his sister and with him having to have have to go and find her, you know, she went off to this special school and the family was so happy. The Alliance and, kidnapped her. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that he's paying enough attention and knows her well enough to say something's wrong. And that, you know, that the parents were just like, oh, everything's fine. And, you know, at one point they really just get mad at him and say, you can't do this anymore or you can't be our son. Right. And that, you know, apparently the parents are more concerned with their status than with what's going on with their kids. And just that he, you know, he left a really good career to become pretty much a criminal in order to save his sister. Right. And still has to kind of be that. Uh, mediator between her and the crew because she kind of gets weird and she does some odd things and nobody understands what's going on and and that he acts in that role as a protector yeah yeah well and a self-sacrificial protector i think that's important to note like he did he was a successful surgeon and gave that up for his sister so that's that's kind of cool and then, really, there's the reform of Jane. <laughs> right? I mean... Yeah. Well, somewhat. The, I don't know. <laughs> the Jane character is basically like a stagecoach robber mm-hmm. that they managed to... Give him a better deal? <laughs> give him a better deal, so he's traveling with them. Yeah. And he's got... he's got, You know, it seems at first he's got no morals at all. It's just who pays him the most. And uh, there was one one of the later episodes where Malcolm had to send Jane with Inara, the prostitute, and he told her before they left, don't trust him. Don't let him take over and don't trust him. Yeah. And, and it was in that episode that, that Jane wound up selling them all out. Now he repented right away and realized he had made a mistake. Yeah. But. He tried to correct it and it was a little, yeah, it wasn't a real repentance. Mm-hmm. It was just he realized, uh-oh, I, I, I made a bad move here. Mm-hmm. And and Malcolm makes him think, oh, you're going to pay for that with your life. And Yeah. Well, anyway, after they make it over that hump, then in the next episode it shows that Jane has taken a lot of his own money and bought fresh food for <laughs> everybody on the crew. And you can just see... With, and and this is what I love in storytelling is I love it when shows assume that their audiences are smart enough to not have to be told everything. Yeah. And I can just see like a modern show focusing on, oh Why yeah, Jane this? feeling sorry for himself or feeling pangs of conscience. She didn't yeah. have to do any of that. You just... A character mentioned, how did we get all these apples? Oh, Jane bought them for the whole crew. Yeah, what's wrong with Jane? Right. (laughs) And I think that may have been the beginning of reform for him Mm -hmm. and 
had things continued, I could see him maybe becoming, you know, a much more solid, dependable kind of guy. Well, in that episode where uh, he kind of sets up the doctor and the sister. Yeah. Uh, I think while the the doctor's kind of examining her and saying, oh, this is what's happened. And they've gone in and they've done this to her brain and they've done this and they've done that. That he kind of was like, you know, I think it kind of opened his eyes to, well, maybe this is... This explains a little bit more to me, and she's not just some weirdo. And because he's like, okay, we have to leave now. Yeah. And they were supposed to have been in there a lot longer. And he's like, well, things have changed. We have to leave now. <laughs> right, right. Because he knew the people are coming, and if we don't get out now, we might not get out at so all. So in that moment, he, because of more information, he stopped seeing her so much as just a weirdo, and started understanding that she really has been a victim and yeah. treated very badly. And she's just a teenage girl so uh i think right then he said something yeah there was a shift in him and his character and and how he viewed viewed all that yeah i also appreciate it i don't think it would go in the terms of ethical dilemma but i appreciate the fact that uh the married couple wash and zoe Mm-hmm. that it's not all smooth sailing for them. <laughs> you, know? you appreciate that, huh? <laughs> well, I, I do. I mean, but I appreciate the fact that they can argue and and not be in danger of calling it quits and stuff like that. that yeah. That there's obviously this undergirding love and commitment that they're both aware of. Yeah. And so it frees them up to, you know, vent if they need to or whatever well, to be to be themselves <laughs> yeah right and not to be like oh that's who you are i don't like you right. <laughs> well and then even when uh the the new mrs reynolds was on board and she was trying to seduce right the married man and he was like oh, oh <laughs> yeah, he hold wasn't on now. having any of it yeah yeah which was just really because refreshing. because the whole thing about her is she almost had like that was almost her superpower the ability to seduce anybody mm-hmm. male or female she yeah. could seduce them and uh it didn't fly at all with the married yeah. guy really so, made you like him and yeah and like say, oh what a guy <laughs> yeah good guy and then he got kicked in the head and, well yeah but you know yeah it wasn't the the fatal kiss <laughs> <laughs> so it's all very true to life <laughs> Uh, okay uh let's see sanctions point four the covenant we start talking about do our characters get what they deserve and really the answer is i i say this with confidence i haven't spoken to you yet about it but as as far as the series itself goes the answer has to be no because we just haven't gotten that far in the story yet yeah and so that's uh i'm sure that's part of what was intended you know the first series like i say it was just kind of setting up act one of an overarching story so we didn't really get to the point of making sure all the bad guys got what's coming to them and yeah. stuff like that well we can think that maybe that one guy got something with the space station because they had to go back in and rescue they left him alive though yeah but they didn't leave many people there alive with him he don't care though that doesn't hurt him <laughs> As long as he's alive, he'll be back, and they'll have to deal with him more. What was that guy's name? started with a Z or something. I can't remember. He was just a psychopath. Yeah. Loved torturing people and stuff. Yeah, personally doing that. And then the other thing was, um, 
well, it's probably not related at all to what we're talking to, but that with the CD set, which we have, yeah. that there were actually three or four episodes that had never been yeah. aired. Yeah, that's something to say. If you haven't, if you enjoyed Firefly and you're like us and you're sorry it didn't go on, the boxed DVD set that has all the episodes and the and the movie does have, what, three or four yeah. episodes that never made it to TV and... They're fun to watch, too. Yeah. And some of those are like, I was like, what? Who is this person? Why one is she them, back? One of them especially was really good in that it it just seemed to give a lot more backstory to some of the characters. Mm-hmm. And how everybody got where they were. Right. How all the characters got assembled on the crew. It was, that was a really good story, I thought. Yeah. Okay. And so point five is succession and how do we see this covenant arrangement continuing in the future and i think if if things had been allowed to progress it might have been the sort of thing where every season maybe they got a new character on board or somebody got dropped off or or if it's like the walking dead maybe you'd actually have a main character being killed and and now you replace them with somebody else or something like that Back no, in the day. But they... <laughs> <laughs> Only the, the weird shows right now. <laughs> right. So, but you can see how the way it would have to continue is Malcolm Reynolds is going to have to train a replacement. And is that Zoe? I don't know. Zoe wants to have a family. Oh, yeah. Zoe wants to have a family. Well, I don't know. Jane? (laughs) Somebody's going to have to help us with that. (laughs) He can barely write or read, though. They need somebody else. (laughs) Well, out of the current ones there, maybe the doc is the one that has the smarts to be able to pick up what he needs to know to actually lead people. Book has some of that, too. Uh, So there are candidates there of... Do you see Malcolm leaving his ship? I don't no, but so. I'm saying if this is going to continue, they're going to—he's going to need to be able to pass on the command of his ship to somebody that can kind of carry things forward. You think he'll die before he does that? Yeah, that's his serenity, right? Why would he? He'll give never that up? give that up. That's right. You know, that's so. There may not be a yeah. future, is what you're saying, because well, it's going to die. I don't with him. see him. Well. Somebody may inherit that, you know, maybe he would actually get a family and have a wife and have kids and have a a lasting legacy besides a a metal ship. So he's got no future the way it is, is what you're saying. Well, I think he has hopes for something more. Do you really? Yeah. I'm not sure. I think he... They're very latent. They're very buried if that's the case. I don't know. I think he, he does Inara. love Inara, and she obviously loved him too. But well, yeah. they have their problems. Yeah, definitely. Things are complicated. Yeah, the whole prostitution thing is generally a hard thing for a marriage to survive. I believe. I don't know. I've been reading a book. <laughs> <laughs> Hosea could have something to tell you. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. I kind of. It reminds me a little bit of, I can't remember the first place I heard this, but if you're in a Baptist sort of situation 
like we're in, or if you're in a, if you're in a, <laughs> like it, we're in, yeah, if you're in an independent church situation, non-denominational, oh, okay, a lot of those non-denominational or independent churches, they don't survive the departure of Who's the ever in charge, whoever their charismatic leader is, and yeah. the guy that everybody's focused mm-hmm. on. And that's a real weakness of that kind of church. And frankly, within the Southern Baptist Convention, every congregation you go to, you don't know what you're going to run into. It's like a box of chocolates, you know. And yeah. But on the other hand, too, I think some some of the more mainstream denominations that people are there are not there <laughs> well, simply because... Yeah well, this is what I am, and so this is where I've got to be. I hate what's going on here, but if I go, who's going to be left? And, right. and you know, it's not It's not that. It's not about the guy in charge or the... Yeah. Well, the, let me bring this metaphor around. The reason I bring it up is because uh, more of the mainline groups, like my Presbyterian friends, their structure actually has provision for how we're going to make sure the new guy that comes in is mm-hmm. like the old guy that left. And and so it actually has succession structures in mind. And independent congregations really don't have that. When you have a congregation where the pastor really is a good guy and he's really trying to preach the Bible and he's doing a good job at that, mm-hmm. the issue is how do you carry that forward? And, and so I, I've always been of the mind that a successful pastor in an independent kind of congregation has got to be one who is working to replace himself. You know, he's got to he's got to have a a vision out there, and he's got to be mindful of gifted men in his own congregation. Maybe one man that he can pour himself into and disciple and bring up, and maybe that's the guy that God will. Uh, put in place after him. And so, and that kind of comes from just a more generic view of leadership that one of the leader's jobs is to replace himself mm. or make himself replaceable or irrelevant, even. Yeah. Well, I understand what you're saying, but I. You know, oh, but let me finish the metaphor. Okay, go on. <laughs> I'm saying, what I'm saying in relation to Firefly is. Yes. This little congregation on board the ship is more of the independent version. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be in trouble and it's going to fall apart with Malcolm Reynolds. As Malcolm goes, that's how they're going to go. Would you say that's right? I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. And... <laughs> well, that's the end. Uh, I'm saying... I'm well, saying, you're saying he's going to replace himself. and I I'm think... saying he should. I'm saying but you're looking at down. the ship, I think, in the wrong perspective. He's not seeing it. That's his home. Who are you? <laughs> I mean, who are you grooming to take your place? Well, when... I'm grooming whoever I got. I don't have anybody <laughs> right now. <laughs> My eye is out. <laughs> I'm praying for that guy. I have been for years. And I'm confident God's going to bring me that guy at some point. And uh, but it's not it's not a church. That's his house. Yeah, it's his secondary kind of family, you know. And without without children to bring in the next generation, it's going to have to come with 
new people buying into what they're doing and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about a church group. I'm just saying. He he thinks of it as just about him. And, well, that's his. And what it does for him. and yeah, That's his home. Yeah, it's sure. Not, right. And it's not an organization. That's his home. Well, it is an organization. It's just very loose. He's the leader and they follow him. and they, Yeah, but that's not how he. I don't think that's how he sees it. Uh, he demands that it be that way. He well, demands yeah, that they charge. follow his orders and, and all that. But that's where he lives. He's not looking for it to replace himself. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. This organization isn't going to continue if he doesn't replace himself. It's just going to it's going to go whatever whatever happens to him when he dies, the organization dies. There's no one that's going to carry that forward because right now it continues on the strength of his personality. That's my view. All right. All right. Well, anything else on your mind about Firefly? It's a Western. <laughs> but you like it. I know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yes. Right. And the, the music actually sounds Western. country. I know. <laughs> they just play it a little, so it's okay. Right. <laughs> not like they play that type of music throughout the whole thing so All right. you know they right. play like regular music for interesting scenes <laughs> we have a cat that's named after one of the characters right yes we do <laughs> one of one of joyce's cats is named jane yeah mr jane mr jane mr jane all right well, I think that means we're done on the Worldview Media Podcast. Uh, stand by for a new uh, message from Reconstructionist Radio right after we sign off here. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next time. Yeah. Go out in and serve verse. God. Yeah. Go out and serve God. Take dominion in the whole verse. <laughs> Even in arts and media. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. Andrea Schwartz, and I have been active in Christian education for over 35 years, having homeschooled my three children all the way through high school. Now that they are all graduated and grown, I spend my time mentoring women, helping them become the best teachers for their children. I hold online office hour meetings every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom platform. These get-togethers provide homeschooling moms the opportunity to ask questions and get advice in areas they may struggle with as they educate their children. And for those contemplating homeschooling, they can discover how to get started and stay the course. Each week, I will cover a specific area, but the bulk of the time will be spent addressing issues most pressing to you. These meetings are free, but you must register to participate. Search on Facebook for the event entitled weekly office hours with Andrea Schwartz, and then click on Get Tickets.